Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. As I begin to record, there is one bit of good Catholic news, perhaps good world news, depending on where people are situated emotionally and spiritually, and that is that Cardinal Burke, Raymond Leo Burke, has been transferred out of ICU. I never know when I'm recording whether a podcast episode will be the usual approximately half hour or might be a little longer or shorter. Today I'm thinking it might be shorter because I find that after having recorded over a year plus now, I'm finding it hard to take my own advice related to keeping my eye on the prize, that is, the centrality of the personal Eucharistic relationship with our Lord, Jesus Christ. I am enamored, if you will, of people, respectful deeply of people who, in the face of personal and world-related troubles, can pray no matter what. I think those people are wonderful, and I see them as models, both the ones who are named saints and those who are anonymous saints. I may well be anonymous, but the one thing I'm pretty sure of, at least at this point, is that I am not a saint. And I am guessing, maybe this is a case of misery loves company, I'm sorry if that's the case, (laughs) is that I'm wondering if other people, other Catholics, ordinary Catholics, are having the same incredible hard time that I am, particularly this week. If uh, I were to do a spreadsheet of the pros and cons of life in this 21st century world, I'd probably sound a lot like one or both of my long-gone grandmothers complaining and lamenting that, on balance, life really isn't so great for all the so-called advancement. You know, they were talking about the telephone and the and the Model T, probably. I'm talking about the internet and the speed with which we get information, or so-called information. It seems that, in fact, advancement has only given mankind the opportunity to give more vent to its worst characteristics. On the not very major side this week, ordering delivery from maybe a favorite restaurant. Uh, Used to be you got a hankering, you ran to your plain old phone cause there was nothing like a cell phone the way we have them. Mini computers in the palms of our hands. Way, way back saying, whoa, 1995, we didn't have any of that. You'd speak to someone named Al, maybe at the local deli and ask for a turkey on rye with all the trimmings and a side pickles, who was himself probably writing it down on a brown paper bag. It cost you about mm, 10 bucks and came in a jiffy and you paid cash at the door. Now you have to go online and you get sent to one of many delivery sites that aren't the local deli, Instacart, Uber Eats, uh, name it, Grubhub. And you have to scroll endlessly just to find what you want and then you're bombarded with options and then sometimes the thing, the computer freezes your phone freezes or the site freezes and you go back to the prior page and have to start all over again. You're reminded that 
you shouldn't refresh from time to time or you might lose your information and then you have to give out information you'd rather not since hackers are always on the lookout for something they can put on the web dark or otherwise for other people to steal you want to talk to a live person at your local electric company good luck at finding a number that is actually accurate and then when you call you're caught in phone tree limbo there are your passwords and your codes to authorize and the things you have to do to prove you are not a robot to a robot. You go to use your credit card that has oodles of credit thereon, and because you haven't used it recently, the charge is denied. You're getting nasty notes from the company that you better contact them immediately because the credit was denied. And if you don't contact them within 24 hours, luckily I see the email, you won't be getting the service. So first, you have to call the credit card company to get them to explain the denial and unlock your card. Then you have to contact the company you were doing business with to assure them that the account is clear and they can have the money you intended them to have two hours ago. They, of course, have many customers they are talking to, and so you can press a button for them to call you back when they are free, which is usually well after the time promised, so you have to check to see if they might have forgotten about you. Yes, I know, all these extra things are to protect us, but they do not make life easier. They not only make it harder practically, but they cause additional anxiety amid the anxiety otherwise around you. And this is all on a good day. Then you have the days, days of this sort of a week, when everything around you, around all of us, is literally going to heck on a handbasket. In your little world, in the big world, and the two, the little world and the big world, they seem to be crashing onto our bodies and souls like Scylla and Charybdis. Everybody's in charge and nobody's in charge. I'm certainly not in charge. So what's happening right now as I'm recording? We're moving into the nearly 16th month of flattening the COVID curve, which appears to me more like a series of wall-like waves. Our leaders cannot settle on a course of action, or rather they do very forcefully with great remonstration and anyone who objects, and then they change it all. You say, well, it's because the science is changing. Oh, I thought that the science, I've been told, was settled. I'm told that all the time, such that no varying opinions are allowed if they vary the narrative of what is settled. But whether it changes or not, one thing is clear, the human beings who are determining your and my daily lives have not got a clue. The rules are inconsistent and they are arbitrary. To whom they apply is inconsistent and arbitrary. And now, not only is there the Delta variant, but a Lambda variant. And there will need to be a booster to the vaccination for the whichever variants that was supposed to solve it all, but naturally did not. I had the vaccination, like the dutiful person I tend to be, of something that has not been approved by the FDA and which many people think, scientists and otherwise, think may have a negative effect down the road. And then I will be <coughs> strongly encouraged to have the booster. And then what? Meanwhile, I'm told that men give birth and that the American Medical Association says there's no sex really at birth. Then there is an earthquake in the little nation of Haiti, which seems to have nothing but natural disasters attacking it. 
along with its political upheavals. And finally, we have the horror in Afghanistan. The pictures, the videos are simply too hard to watch. The last thing I saw a little while ago was just a bare picture of a man and his child and both of them were running. Well, he's holding her, but they're both crying. It never occurred to me, even years when things were not terrific, that I might actually see the end of the world. And while it's true, I don't know the day or the hour any more than anyone else, you or me, we just don't know. And while the world has probably been just as horrible before as it is now, up to here, even in the most miserable 1960s, and to me they were miserable. I was a kid growing up. I did not think there were all the sunshine and light that I keep hearing in retrospect from other people. But even at that, they were not as bad as they are now. Things were not as bad as they are now. Maybe it's because even in the miserable 60s, when the best and the brightest said, God is dead, he still actually wasn't in the minds of most people. The intellectuals said he was, and most of us had not yet been to college, and college still thought that the ideals of Western civilization and transcendent truth were a foundation of our society, so we still held out for the idea of God and good and evil and logic over illogic. We believed as a society, this United States, in the laws of nature, and that while the United States wasn't perfect by any means, given the overall horrendous nature of man, it has really striven for the ideals of goodness. When it failed, as in the case of slavery and the long road to civil rights, the long road in the scheme of history of about a hundred years, it did so spectacularly, alas, but it still sought because of its principles to rectify the failure. Unlike, say, the terrorists that will now wreak havoc on their own people, who created God in their image, and not a very nice God at that, more like man at his worst than any divinity worth knowing. Americans back then still look to a God who created them and provided our rights. Now, in this great modern world, rights are a matter solely of whom is in power. And more people than I would have imagined are opting to become the 21st century serf and victims of those in power, and doing so with a smile on their faces. Can we not see how soon it may well be before we are running from some terrible force that would destroy us, the hands of other human beings? Oh, and let me add another little tidbit of discouragement. I'm watching a YouTube video from Taylor Marshall, who I know is considered a trad and therefore doesn't seem to have a lot of credibility any more than a conservative political person has any credibility in this world anymore. And he was talking about the Pope, Pope Francis, uh, saying at an audience the other day that the Ten Commandments were not absolutes and that he relied on the justification of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Taylor Marshall was explaining the problem with that statement. So I thought, well, let me look it up and see if there are some different translations of what the Pope said in that he probably was speaking either Italian or some other language. And I went on to the Vatican News website. I'm just going to read what I found. It's an article called Pope at Audience. 
Are we under the law or do we live as children of God? In the sort of summary, it says in his catechesis at the general audience, Pope Francis says we should ask ourselves if we are still living, quote, under the law, or if we understand that, having become children of God, we are called to live in love. Sounds great, right? This is by Christopher Wills. Pope Francis continued his explanation of St. Paul's letter to the Galatians at Wednesday's general audience, focusing on St. Paul's understanding of the role of the law for Christians. St. Paul, he said, has taught us that the children of the promise, that is all of us, justified by Jesus Christ, are no longer bound by the law, but are called to the demanding lifestyle of the freedom of the gospel, a turning point. He explained that for St. Paul, the acceptance of faith is the turning point both for salvation history as a whole and on our own personal stories. At the heart of faith is the death and resurrection of Jesus, which Paul preached in order to inspire faith in the Son of God, the source of salvation. So, he said, for Christians, there is a period before becoming believers and after receiving the faith, and there is, therefore, a before and after with regard to the law itself. In the period before receiving the faith, being, quote, under the law, has a negative sense, as if one is watched and locked up, a kind of preventative custody. This period, he said, is perpetuated as long as one lives in sin. The law is teacher and guardian. The law, said Pope Francis, makes us aware of what it means to transgress the law and also makes people aware of their own sin. In a certain sense, it ends up stimulating the transgression. But, he went on to explain, using St. Paul's image of the law as a pedagogue, that while the law had a restrictive function, it also served to protect and support the people of Israel. It had educated them, disciplined them, and supported them in their weakness. So, the Pope said, the law also had a positive function that was nonetheless limited in time. When children become adults, they no longer need a guardian. Likewise, quote, once one has come to faith, the law exhausts its, and this is a word I've never heard before, propeduetic value and must give way to another authority. I looked up the word and it has to do with teaching, teaching value, and must give way to another authority. Considering the role of the law. However, he said, the law still exists as still important. Pope Francis said the role of the law deserves to be carefully considered so that we do not give way to misunderstandings and take false steps. And so he said, it is good to ask ourselves if we still live in the period in which we need the law or if instead we are fully aware of having received the grace of becoming children of God so as to live in love. It is a good question, he said, and added a second. Do I despise the commandments? He also gave an answer. No, I observe them, but not as absolutes, because I know that it is Jesus Christ who justifies me. I think I'm going to leave others to determine whether that has a theological problem, that whole reference to what the Pope said. Perhaps he said it exactly like this. Perhaps he didn't. But Vatican News says he did. I don't know. I, I'm finding it way confusing and actually worse than what uh, Taylor Marshall actually talked about in his YouTube dissertation yesterday, which was very learned. Is he really, did he really say 
it's good to ask ourselves if we still live in the period in which we need the law, or if instead we are fully aware of having received the grace of becoming children of God so as to live in love. Well, I don't know. If I'm looking at the history of man up to this moment and ongoing, I don't think I would say that we don't live in a period where we don't still need the law. I used to be of the position when I was growing up that there was too much rigidity. And I think in some ways that's still true, but I'm looking at things on balance now and I'm beginning to think that I'd rather go back to the times of rigidity and that I'd rather go back to the times of the law when I knew exactly what was true and was not true. But today I don't know at all. I have to try to sort it out in a surface area of total contradiction. And unfortunately, contradiction supplied in large part by the teachers of my own church. I almost wasn't going to record anything this week because in small and big things, everything is nuts. Last week I quoted from some Magnificat blurb about praying even when there was no hope. Even when there was absolutely no hope, you still pray as if there were hope. Okay, I admit it. This week I'm hitting a wall. I'm not saying I haven't prayed. I have sort of. I just did the rosary at five o'clock. I always do it with Father Rocky, or mostly always do it. Sometimes I do miss with Father Rocky, rosary across America. There were a couple of prayers of thanksgiving. Oh, I don't know if you know how they do it. It's wonderful. They have pictures, if you can watch it on Facebook or YouTube, pictures of people who are families who pray the rosary and intentions for the suffering of people in between the decades of the rosary and occasionally there's a prayer or two of thanksgiving for prayers answered and it's it's a very lovely production but for some reason today as i was listening to all the sad things happening to human beings ordinary human beings even that made it hard to pray the rosary i'm a nancy person by nature but today i virtually had to glue myself to the seat to go through the whole rosary a particular apt five decades because it is Friday and we do the sorrowful mysteries of our Lord from the agony in the garden to the crucifixion. The emotion, I'll be honest with you, the feeling is this could be a great walk away day. Walk away from it all. Walk away from church. Walk away from religion. Walk away from it all because man, the man that supposedly was saved by God is just no good. And frankly, I'm one of them. So I'm no good either, but don't worry. I try because I know that feelings, that's all we operate with in this world right now are feelings and usually not our best feelings. I know that that is the wrong way to operate. So I am going to pray and pray despite the fact that I don't feel a thing about praying, not a thing. Pray that God intervene, that he make me faithful despite what I'm seeing around me, or maybe in a paradox, because of what I'm seeing around me, which proves my total need for him. I get calls sometimes from those who listen to this podcast and say, are you all right? Mostly, I'm mad. I'm mad at all of us. And that anger often gets in the way of my prayer life. And I'll tell you, one good thing about this podcast for me personally, is that somehow I've talked myself out of the anger 
I began with when I started this podcast today. Is it a permanent talking out of my moods and my responses to the world around me? No. I wish it were, but that's just not who I am. Until God perfects me, which is a huge job. I suppose we could call this the bipolar ordinary old Catholic me podcast episode. So I have to really think about this and I have to force myself to listen to God because what if, what if this is about to be the end of the world? Am I prepared? Are you prepared? I know I'm not because I'm angry and I'm prideful and I'm fearful all the time. And instead of going to him and throwing myself at the feet of our Lord, I announce I'm having a hard time praying. Well, too bad, so sad, ordinary old Catholic gin, because you better get prepared. Dylan may have said the times they are a-changing, but I'm getting to think that the times they are winding down. So where are you in all of this? Now, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to write any comments if you don't want to. If you do, that's fine. We can chat online. We do need to hang in together, and we do need to hang in together in prayer, especially, 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 I'm telling myself, and so thereby telling you by sort of consequence, since here I am, that we have to fight the desire not to pray, to say, I can't do this. It doesn't matter. Praying doesn't matter because it's all we have when push comes to shove. If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, well, it's got to be really bad. It's got to be really, really, really bad. So here's what happened. We're actually at Saturday at approximately 1.30 p.m. And I kind of left it yesterday. I just was hoping for some kind of total resolution that I could present to all of you. Well, I've come to believe that there are no total resolutions in this life only in the life hereafter. The choices we make now, however, determine the life hereafter. When I woke up this morning, I wouldn't say I was in quite the funk that I was in yesterday or for the last total week or more, but I was not in the mood for what I was going to have to do, which was to go to an early mass at my parish in the honor of Memorial for the eighth anniversary of the death of our former pastor, Father Monsignor George Parnassus, and also a mention of our second pastor who was lost about four years ago, Father Jeremiah, Monsignor Jeremiah Murphy. And what we do when we go to the Mass, we then usually, on the anniversaries of their respective deaths, go over to Holy Cross Cemetery and do a rosary uh, for the primary priest, the one whose death we are memorializing. And then we also do the Divine Mercy, and then we go over to the other priests and just do the Divine Mercy chaplet. I did not leap out of bed in joy. I don't anyway, generally that early in the morning, never have, as I've mentioned on this program before, and other people who know me know I'm not a morning person, but I really was today dragging and essentially going out of obligation. And uh, the thought did, in passing, Cross my mind uh, that nobody would miss me if I I didn't show up. I've been to every one of these since the inception of our doing it, 
and there's usually slightly different crowd, some of the same people, but slightly different. Eight to ten people do it each time. Maybe one person, the uh, most prominent of our coordinators, would miss me because he's also done it each time. But I remembered a little bit about what I had said yesterday in this program about not relying on my feelings, and off I went to early Mass and then to the cemetery. And as we began, my impetus was still rather limited. But as the morning went on, and as the prayers went on, and as I led my decade of the rosary and my portion of the Divine Mercy chaplet, something started to happen. A stirring, not exactly a feeling. In fact, the feelings really never changed, but a knowing, a gratefulness that I had not given in to my lesser instinct that I was stopping at a spiritual gas station, if you will, if that makes any sense, and that because of today's community prayer and because of the intercession of the men who we were memorializing, because they are intercessors, I could hang on again for another day. And that's partly why I must pray every day, no matter what I'm feeling. It's a link in the chain, in the stairwell, in whatever you want to say, the link, the road, the way to Jesus Christ and to heaven and to the triune God. Prayer, for me, for many of us, is ultimately the sine qua non. Nothing can happen without it. I mean, nothing good. The good that Christ has already offered to us can't come to fruition in our lives without prayer. And at the time that my negative feelings are the most overpowering, this is the moment that I must go to prayer. Will I remember this five minutes from now, an hour from now, tomorrow? I pray that I do. I pray right now that even when I don't feel it, I offer the prayer that I will trust in the Lord. When I was in therapy many, many years ago, I remember that I often said, I can't do X or Y. And every time I would say that, my therapist would say, won't. He would just interject, won't. And I would say, and I still argue, that can't and won't feel very much the same to the person who's saying, I can't. But there is a certain truth to what he was saying. And in the area of faith, it is to me even more manifest. When I say I can't, I really am saying to God, I won't, because he makes it possible. And my can't is a rejection of what he is offering as possible. It's also a bit of a, I don't want to, I'm afraid. I don't want to take your hand. It's, we call it a fear of intimacy, which human beings have with each other, but I would imagine that in some ways we have it even more so with God. So what's my advice to myself and to you? It is, no matter what you're feeling, pray. Pray, especially when you don't feel like praying, because that's when prayer is probably the most effective and most necessary. So, on a rather optimistic note, it's amazing I got there, 
But thank you for listening, and if you're enjoying the program, I wouldn't mind if you hit like, or if you made some comments. It would be nice to have some interaction with other ordinary Catholics. Any thoughts that you have about the things that I say, about thoughts that the way you find to address your concerns in your own life, and those times when it gets a little hard. So, I'll talk to you next week.